Hi, this is NFL Network's Patrick Claibon welcoming you to another episode of the 4th and Out podcast. It's the best podcast. Well, yeah, I'll say it. It's the best podcast in the world because you are listening to it right now. It's in your ears and you hear me and I'm telling you it's the best. You could be listening to any podcast in the world, but you're not. You're listening to the 4th and Out because, well... The universe has decided to give you this, this opportunity to hear a fantastic podcast. So continue on the path that life is set you and enjoy the fourth and out podcast. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the fourth and out podcast with me, George Evans. Uh, there is no Ollie or Liam White in this week, but you know, like the Houston Texans and their running backs, we've got a plethora of talent on board. And uh, Liam Bojas is back. Liam, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. I am the Mark Ingram of the podcast. Mark you know, Ingram, Philip Lindsay. Well, yeah, that's it. I mean, he really has done a job for the first two weeks. And the beauty of this podcast is that I can refer to you as Liam instead of Bodge because, you know. Oh, what a treat. What I know. a treat. This is your audition, really, to um, for you're kind of like looking for the number one Liam spot, which is the highlight of this podcast, really. So, I mean, you know, like I was going to say the Tennessee Titans have got that wrapped up, really, but. <laughs> in their division but uh maybe so maybe not but. well i don't know we'll come on to that and uh many other things so this is the week two review show um like last week we'll go through all 16 games starting from thursday night football to monday night football um yeah so as i was saying before the podcast i did have to remind myself of the thursday night football score because it does feel like a long time ago um but it was a brilliant game actually the uh washington football team beat the new york giants 30 points to 29 with a last second field goal from uh, Dustin Hopkins, I believe his name is. Um, it was a tough loss for the Giants here, Bodge. Um, you know, they would have won the game if it wasn't for that last second penalty on special teams, the infringement. Um, obviously, Dustin Hopkins missed that kick. So the Giants would have had a, a walk-off win, as it turns out. Penalty was in place. He then hits the the field goal winner, and um, it's the same old story for the Giants. Yeah, and on paper, this is two offenses that you wouldn't have thought would probably put up kind of nearly sixty points between them. I mean, you look at the two quarterbacks; probably both overachieved as to what you would have expected. Uh, Daniel Jones was very consistent, no turnovers, um, good on the air, obviously very good on the ground as well. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. that that real big highlight of the sixty-five run yard run, I think it was, yeah. uh, which then got called back because of the penalty, but. Him on one side, Taylor Heineke, who we kind of praised up last week. And I think he's done us justice there as well. Um, 300 yards, two touchdowns, big relationship with Terry McLaurin. Um, yeah, you can't really complain at all as, as your QB too. It was, um, it was just a good game all round, really. It was an enjoyable one. Yeah, it really was. You'd, we'll start off with the Giants. Um, you're right to mention Daniel Jones's his running game. I thought it was outstanding. Nine carries for 95 yards. You know, and a touchdown, but that 62-yard run was the best of the lot. And I'm just glad that he didn't fall down like he did for that 80-yard one uh, last season. But I thought he was really impressive. He held on to the ball well, no fumbles, um, you know, 22 for 32, 249 yards and a touchdown. It's a really solid game for him. And, you know, including me, he's proved a lot of people wrong with that game. He proves that he can look after the ball and he looks very good. Yeah, never a player I've been big on at all, but um, definitely one of probably his best games I've seen him, maybe even the best overall. Um, 
yeah, good relationship. I think it was Sterling Shepherd uh, made a few nice catches. Um, Kadarius Tony is still a player kind of on offense. We're still Mate, waiting to see from and yeah, I was I was looking for him. He didn't didn't register anything on the stat sheet this week. He got minus two yards last week, so he's on minus two career yards at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> that is a stat line nobody wants to have. The twentieth overall pick when you think you've got players like Rondell Moore taken in the second round, obviously big performance this weekend that we'll come on to later. It's um yeah, disappointing from their rookie. Uh, Saquon Barkley looked a step up this weekend but there's still kind of a few more steps to go with him but maybe this Giants team actually with uh, how Philly performed won't be the worst team in the division after all No possibly not the biggest question mark still I think is I don't think their defence played brilliant but it, it played alright all it's just their offensive line they gave up another four sacks um, in mm. this game which is kind of it was actually probably less than I expected two to Allen you know one to Fuller and then one to Montez Sweat but they did keep him relatively quiet for a large period of the game, but it was in that first quarter where he got sacked three times. You kind of felt like the writing was on the wall, and it's an area they really need to fix up on. If, if well, not just if New York had got a chance, but if Dan Jones has got a chance of saving his career as well. It's a big momentum killer as well. Like Dan Jones is then going to be pretty much on the back foot for the whole game, like not really trusting his line to keep him safe. And I think that probably contributed to nearly a hundred yards running that he put on the ground because he's not going to sit in the park pocket for six, seven seconds. He's just going to take it and run, which is exactly what he did. Exactly, yeah. And for Washington, a really important victory. I think no team wants to go zero and two, obviously, but a team that's been pretty hyped up throughout the, a lot of the off-season. And as you say, Taylor Heineken was... I'm going to keep calling him Taylor Heineken as well because <laughs> it's just, it just rolls off the tongue. He was really impressive. And, you know, he was good in that Tampa Bay game in the postseason last year and good in this game as well I mean if he carries on like this Fitz might not find that he has a job to come back to after his injury mm, I, I think that's a very good take actually he's come in and he's looked so assured so mature for a guy who's hardly had any action previously in his career um, he's got the running backs involved not so much in the running game but out of the backfield and um, McKissick had quite a lot of catches this week for a good amount of yards um, getting the tight ends involved there was a cracking catch for Seals Jones in there as well um, which was a proper good play um, and yeah he just looks like a mature 30 year old quarterback that's been there for five six seasons not a guy who's been brought off brought off the subs bench on the fly yeah that's it there was a story about him I think he was, at, uh, he was at college last year and uh, someone said to him, look, you're going to be playing against Tampa Bay because obviously their quarterbacks went down and he was like, look, I'm going to have to turn in my assignment late. I've got to play against Tampa Bay in the postseason. And they were like, yeah, probably a fair That's enough That's fantastic. Reason. That's better than your dog eating your homework, isn't it? I mean, that is genuinely quite pretty, pretty cool. Um, all right, yeah, fantastic win for the um, football team. The Giants do get a chance to bounce back because they're playing the Falcons next week which we will uh, preview in the next show okay let's move on to Pittsburgh uh, Raiders so the Las Vegas Raiders beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 26-17 uh, taking them to 2-0 and the Steelers to 1-1 one one. Um, I'll tell you what Liam this uh, this Raiders team are looking all right dangerous Derek has played very well again dangerous Derek <laughs> love that it's um, <laughs> yeah super impressive I mean it's also not a case of, as we saw last um, last weekend, uh, kind of first half, it was just he wants to get it to Waller constantly. He spread it about. He had a big touchdown to Henry Ruggs. He got it to Renfro. He got it to Waller still. Um, 
in it, yeah, it really was a, a game of two two passing matches, ninety total rushing yards in the game. Um, that is crazy. It really just shows it was a it was a real uh, yeah passing game. But yeah, super impressed with them. Obviously, Pittsburgh offense aren't exactly a, a top ten offense that you're going to find, but that Raiders D has definitely performed better than we thought it would. Yeah, definitely. They've looked really impressive. Max Crosby especially has looked like a complete game wrecker. Um, but yeah, just on Derek Carr, I mean, if, uh, there was four players with five receptions, um, one of which was Kenyon Drake, so they're using him out of the backfield nicely. And you've got to think that this was a win without Josh Jacobs as well, who's, you know, obviously they're running back one and would have been a lot more involved in, in the running game and it might have changed the way they played. But this is against a really good Steelers defence as well. I know that TJ Watt went out of the game and we don't know what situation he's going to be in for next week. But this is I don't want people to overlook just how impressive this win is because the Steelers looked very good against the Bills and they shut them down. So for Derek, Derek Carr to throw two touchdowns and nearly 400 yards again, you know, it's just really, really impressive. Absolutely. He's always been a guy that has, very similar to Matt Stafford, he's been a guy in a less than average team that's always looked pretty good, but you've never been sure if he can make it up to kind of that you know, not that elite level, but that kind of Josh Allen, Dak Prescott level. But definitely he's playing at that level this season. And I mean, with that kind of quite a young Raiders offense, is only going to improve. So I think they're definitely, even if they're not a playoff contender, obviously tough division and that defense, as good as it is, probably isn't going to be enough to win them games. It's going to be their offense outscoring the other offense. But yeah, it's definitely going to be a fun team to watch. Yeah, definitely. I've always thought, I think I mentioned it on a previous podcast, that Derek Carr isn't helped by his name. There's, it's Derek is just not the kind <laughs> of name you get behind, is it? I mean, that's that's where I think he's going wrong. He just needs a little bit of a rebrand. He can take the dangerous Derek thing if he wants. I think that would genuinely help him. But um, yeah, really impressive. And just moving on to the Steelers. So I don't know what to make of this Steelers team. The offense, if you're going to score 17 points every week, you're not going to win many games. And that's kind of what their offense is is built on. So, you know, Big Ben, he had a relatively good game, nearly 300 yards, touchdown and interception. But it's the running game I'm more worried about. And the G. Harris, 10 carries, 38 yards, you know. And you look behind that, there's only three, uh, four more carries after that. They, they should have learned from their lessons last season and they needed to get this running game going giving the G Harris maybe 15 20 carries a game so you're not just relying on the passing game all the time yeah it's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds I mean it was definitely a clear weakness for obviously it was something that Ollie spoke about a lot it was something that's been reported quite a lot but it's something that they've improved the offensive line they've drafted a first round running back which at first instance you could probably argue looked a bit of a reach it's they've gone in and they've tried their best to improve it but two games in and I don't know whether it's the play calling or I don't know whether it's the performance it's still a long way off being where you want it to be so you know he is a rookie we're only two games in maybe kind of by halfway through the season he'll be kind of getting 70 80 yards a game which is all they need they don't need a guy who's going to put up Derrick Henry numbers and get 150 yards a game they just need a guy who's going to convert on third and three or get them to kind of second and five scenarios it's it was so well much documented last season about just how quickly Big Ben had to get rid of the ball. But if he's not got a running guy, a running back to give the ball to, it's he's going to be under that pressure constantly because the defenses are going to know exactly what Pittsburgh want to do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, their plan is clearly to use him at the backfield as well. We did have five catches and 
a touchdown and look good in in that area. I just think, especially in the division that the Steelers are in, where it's so run heavy, you you have to have a run game as well. Um, and I I do hope they use him more. I do hope they this offense becomes a bit more explosive because they've got playmakers: Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster. You know they've got players that are downfield threats. I just you just wonder about Big Ben and his arm strength and the time he's getting in the pocket and and that offensive line that is better than it was last season, but still isn't everything that um, they want from it. it. Just they're a bit one-dimensional to me, the Steelers. I know it's it's just one game, but um, yeah, I'm not too high on them at the moment, anyway. No, I mean neither. I mean the, the exception to that is Deontay Johnson, who seems to have really established himself as that number one receiver so far this season. And um, as you mentioned, they've got Claypool, who has been a little bit on the quiet side, and Juju, who really has not done much at all this season. Um, I think it's going to be a big week. Um, you look at the injuries they've got. I mean, I was looking. I, I sent a tweet to Ollie earlier. Obviously, he's away at the moment. Thought I'd catch him off on the news. And they've got Ben, uh, Big Ben, Deontay Johnson, and. Joe Hayden, Devin Bush, and TJ Watt all with injuries. Um, I don't know how serious they are. All three of the defensive players, all groin injuries as well, which is a little bit strange. Um, yeah, that's rough. You know, haven't you know haven't been stretching beforehand clearly. <laughs> um, but it's yeah, it's a big week, and they really need to come out next week and get a win. Otherwise, they're going to be under a little bit of pressure with um, three still competitive teams in that division. Yeah, that's it. In a, in a kind of weird paradox, it might not be the worst thing to see another quarterback in that system. Like you look at, obviously, I know there are other options, uh, Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins, but, you know, it might not be the worst thing. You know, Haskins might give you something different. Same with um, Rudolph. You know, I'd probably go Haskins over Rudolph anyway if Big Ben wasn't wasn't going to play. It just might give you that Agreed. more explosive option. But it'd be interesting to see what happens. And obviously, if TJ Watt's missing a few games, that is a huge miss for for the Steelers because he's already been so dominant. I mean, yeah, if that's the case, they've probably lost their best edge rusher, best middle linebacker and best corner. So that's a big problem if they are injuries that are going to keep them out of games. Yeah, that's a rough, rough set of injuries. We'll see how that uh, pans out in the next couple of days. Um, all right, let's move on to Philadelphia. So San Francisco 49ers, 17, Philadelphia Eagles, 11. I think it's fair to say, Liam, this wasn't the game of the weekend, but... Um, you know, there were some nice plays in it, but we'll stick to looking at the 49ers for now. Jimmy G had another nice game. Just did what Jimmy G does, really. You know, 22 for 30, 189 yards and a touchdown. And then the running game kind of got going, although it was swallowed up a little bit by um, a good Eagles defensive line anyway. But, um, yeah, what did you make of this one? As you say, it wasn't particularly the most exciting game. And there were kind of some standout players. I mean, Debo Samuels had a cracking start to the season. Mm-hmm. Um, he looks like he's only going to get better. As you say, kind of Jimmy, all he needs to do really is just keep it tidy, kind of throw for kind of 200 yards a game. The running backs, the kind of a, a committee that we've spoken about before, they've always got a good one coming out of somewhere. Um, although there's some serious injury concerns there with the amount of, um, I think all three of them picked up injuries at one point or another on Sunday. So that's going to be another story to watch. But um, yeah, I thought their offensive line actually was superb as well. They was constantly punching holes for running backs, constantly giving Jimmy time. It was, um, yeah, it was an efficient win is probably the way I'd describe it. Yeah, it was. And on defense, <clears throat> it was especially efficient as well. I mean, Nick Bosa looked back to his best with two sacks in this game. And he's just an absolute beast. And if this 49ers defense could be what it was in 
2019, this team could be on for, you know, special things because that offence doesn't need to be anything better than just good, really. It doesn't need to be a great offence if this defence can play as well as it can in this game. And the Eagles looked impressive in that week one um, victory against the Falcons, but that now might say more about the Falcons looking back on it. Um, For the Eagles, I was relatively impressed with Jalen Hurts. I mean, not in terms of his throwing ability in this game, but his ability of his legs, he he just looks like a, a Kyler Murray type. Lamar Jackson, all right, not as well-rounded yet, but that kind of player who can just escape pressure, which is, you know, so valuable in this league now. Yeah, I thought I thought he played quite well, to be fair. Um, one of the things I wrote down here is, is he fighting a bit of a losing battle um, with his offence? I think, I, I think he played quite well, made some nice throws, obviously, 84 rushing yards as well. Um, he's always going to get the sticks moving. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they kept Devontae Smith quiet. And if you keep Devontae Smith quiet, you're struggling for other options. Um, Watkins, Quez Watkins made a couple of nice catches. Uh, I think he got nearly 100 yards. but um, 117 yeah, of two catches. Oh, he did get over 100. Wow. Um, yeah, so yeah, good work from him. But it's just lacking a little bit of quality. I, there's definitely kind of, you can see that Eagles team kind of, growing quite a lot in the next couple of years although their defense is aging a little bit but yeah it's it's a long way from the finished product right now yeah that's it I mean he gets nice protection with a very good offensive line as well and but uh yeah you're completely right they did have a touchdown brought back um after Jalen Rager scooped one in and got into the end zone on a penalty which is kind of a theme of the week really but yeah the receiving receiving core isn't quite up to scratch no receiver got more than two receptions which is worrisome and it is something they're going to have to work on. But um, they've got enough pieces there to be, you know, a solid team. They just came up against a very good 49ers team um, that that played quite well. I mean, I don't think there's really too much more to say about that game than than that. Yeah, a couple of injury problems for the Eagles. Uh, just add on, uh, Brandon Brooks and Brandon Graham, both on IR. And Graham's ruled out for the season, which is a big loss. Uh, that is a huge a loss. player at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, that is a massive loss, actually. Um, he started off very well, uh, especially in that first game. Yeah, he's also if you ever if you ever watch the highlights, he's he is one of the best players to watch mic'd up. He is literally I don't know if it's really a term you use for NFL, but he's constantly sledging the other players. Oh, nice! Like constantly, it is uh, yeah, it's a good watch. Good, I'll get on that. So that's what I love about the NFL. Like they do chirp up quite a lot. It's uh, it's a bit tastier than cricket as well, as you know, Bodge. But uh, yeah, I like that. I'll give that a listen on Brandon Graham. Um, uh, all right, yeah, I love a bit of mic'd up. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's move on to the Cleveland Browns against the feisty Houston Texans. Um, the Browns come off thirty-one twenty-one winners in this game, but it doesn't really tell the whole story. Um, I thought we'll start with the Texans. Obviously, Tyrod Taylor is a shame because he was playing really well and he had to come off in the second quarter. He was 10 for 11, 125 yards in the touchdown, playing kind of lights out football for the first game and a half, really. And uh, Davis Mills come in. Um, shame for this. Uh, shame for Tyrod here, Liam. That, um, he hasn't really, we don't know how bad the injury is yet, but he was looking very, very good before this. Yeah, I thought this was a really good game, actually. It went under the radar a little bit. Um, Tara Taylor, as, as, as you say, a uh, touchdown in the air and a touchdown on the ground, I think, as well. Um, good start. Uh, mm-hmm. Davis Mills came in a bit later on, looked pretty good. Um, he's already been confirmed to start for Thursday Night Football as well. Um, so it's going to be fun to see him from the start. Um, 
Brandon Cooks, I know we discussed it uh, when we were chatting while, while Sunday action was going on, but he is a legit number one receiver, isn't he? Yeah, this guy is good, man. Really good. You know, he's had five seasons of, well, he's been in the league seven seasons and five of those he's had a thousand yards receiving. So this guy is a, he's a proper wide receiver one. It's, I mean, yeah, when you look at when he, what he had in New England, it, he was kind of, he was always kind of overshone by um, Edelman and Amendola and obviously Gronk as well. But yeah, he's, and, and I guess the same at LA really, when they've got Cup and Woods. So the fact that he's gone in now and he is the go-to target, he is flourishing in that role. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he does with Davis Mills now, because um, he did really seem to have a connection with uh, Tara Taylor. But, you know, this Texans team, I, I, they're not the worst team in the NFL like many people thought they would be. You know, they got another takeaway, which is their fourth. They might have got a fifth, actually. They might have got a f- um, fumble recovery. Um, but that defense is playing quite nicely, a lot better than it was last season. Um, the offense is looking... You know, all right, the, the running game has got going. Um, they're using a lot of different backs. You know, they're by no stretch the worst team in the NFL. Yeah, definitely. Um, as we touched upon right at the start as well, I love their running back by committee. I think they've got a lot of good options there and they're all different as well. Lindsay's kind of probably the quickest out of them. Um, you know, Ingram is just will run miles for you he will do whatever you need Burkhead's great out of the backfield and Johnson does a bit of everything so it's for a rookie quarterback that's probably exactly what you want as well so I don't think they're going to get um, outclassed um, against uh, Carolina I think it is they play on Thursday night football yeah that is that'd be an interesting game to watch actually but I'm quite surprised about the Mark Ingram thing he's got more carries you know 14 carries on on Sunday David Johnson only had six and Lindsay only five I'm kind of surprised about that, really, because he looked to me more like the veteran back that would maybe get third down snaps. And then you look at David Johnson and Philip Lindsay, but obviously you'll be happy for Ingram as a as a Ravens fan. He is honestly one of the most likeable guys you can ever see on the field. Um, I, I'm really, really happy to see him doing well. Um, but he did look pretty washed in Baltimore, I have to say. So I am, as, as you say, I'm surprised he's kind of their number one, number one carries. But yeah, good on him, and it's uh, a, a good, a good, really, really good guy for for a rookie quarterback to have alongside him. Yeah, very true. All right, let's move into the Browns quickly. Um, so Baker Mayfield, he only had two incompletions in this game, nineteen for twenty-one, two hundred thirteen yards, to back as well. Yeah, back to back, a touchdown and an interception. Um, you know, he's playing really good football, and he also dislocated his shoulder in this game and had it pop back in. So <laughs> really, quite impressive. But um, as a story of a lot of teams in the AFC North, it was the run game that really got going here. Nick Chubb, 95 yards and a touchdown. Kareem Hunt, 51 yards. Um, Baker Mayfield also rushed for a touchdown as well. And Andy Yanovich got a touchdown rushing as well. So it's the way that the Browns are, are going to play football. I think they'll be um, run first now that Jarvis Landry is also out and we don't know what's going on with, with Odell Beckham. So, you know, how, how do you feel about the Browns after this one? One of the first things that came to mind were watching them, um, and particularly after seeing kind of look, looking at the stat lines afterwards, it was just how efficient they were. And it really re- almost reminded me of a Tom Brady team. They got the ball to multiple different people. They got people like, as you say, Andy Janovich involved, who doesn't normally see the ball much. Um, three rushing touchdowns by three different players. It was just a very complete performance. You know, defence probably putting up 21 points to the Texans is a, a bit more than you'd want to do. But as we've said, the Texans have definitely 
uh, overachieved to what we thought at the start of the season. So it was just very efficient. And I think going forward, it's wins like that that are going to really tally up by the time you get towards the end of the season. Yeah, that's it. You don't need classy wins in week two. You just need wins. And and there's not many people that go back when they're in week 17 and think, oh, do you remember that you know, classy win against the Texans, 31-21? It's just, it's not the way it goes. And it's bad news about Landry, though. Obviously, he's been placed on injury reserve today. And with the Odell Beckham situation, they, got, they are going to have to rely on more people. You look at Austin Hooper, Harrison Bryant, um, people like that. So, obviously, we play them next in, in week three. But... Uh, It'd be interesting to see where they go. I mean, it'd be, you'd be surprised if they gave up the running game and became a pass-first team, but you never know. Yeah, I think it's probably going to be a good good week if you've got Nick Chubb as your, as your running back. Uh, Kareem Hunt didn't see much of the ball either in this game, so it kind of all points towards a heavy workload for him next weekend. But they've got a lot of exciting young receivers, I think, as well. So I'm not, you know, sold that they're going to quite put up like 300 yards as you'd expect an offence with Landry and Beckham to do but Peoples, Jones, Schwartz, um, Bryant, Hooper as you say they're, they're all good targets so um, and obviously Kareem Hunt out of the backfield as well so mm-hmm. I think it's um, yeah it's it's not the most experienced it might be a little bit of a challenge for Baker without a real secure pair of hands at wide receiver but they've got enough to get them for a few games if if Beckham's not ready yet. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, I think Kareem Hunt next week's one to watch out for out of the backfield. I think he's going to see a lot of action. Um, all right, let's move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Denver Broncos. So the Broncos won this 23-13, taking them to 2-0 and the Jags to a 0-2 record. Um, let's start off with the Broncos. So Teddy Bridgewater had another solid game. Um, 328 yards and two touchdowns, 28 for 34 and then just looking down the stat sheet, I mean, Cortland Sutton was the one that really stood out for me. Nine receptions, 159 yards. He was really good in 2019. Um, obviously, he had the ACL in week two last year, but, you know, he's come back firing. And Teddy B has got something going here in Denver. Definitely. Um, as you say, that that combination is one that I think is only going to grow this season. Sutton is off the back of a serious injury and it's week two and he put up like 150 yards or whatever it was. So he is, he is a monster of player. Um, I loved, as you, as you said, I loved watching him in 2019 and thinking back, that must've been with someone like Case Keenum at quarterback or Joe Flacco. So the fact that they've got a real improvement there signifies good things for the rest of the season. Um, I mean, also for them, it's good to see Patrick Sertain get his first interception as well. Um, obviously, number one pick uh, in the first round anyway for the Broncos. Um, but the, probably the, the biggest downside for them, Bradley Chubb injured again. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, he's, he's obviously really struggled. And kind of from what I've read um, from the likes of Ian Rappaport is that he just wasn't ready to come back. So... Hopefully it's nothing serious and he was just taken out of the game to kind of save his ankle a little bit. But yeah, I'm hoping it's nothing serious for him. Yeah, same here, because that defence has got everything really to be a top five defence. And if you are going to rush someone back for a game, you shouldn't really be doing it against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, It's no offence to the Jags, but it's just the case, especially when you've got Von Miller, who's got three sacks in two games already, you know, pressuring off off the edge. Let's move into Jacksonville then. Trevor Lawrence. Hmm, not to, I really don't know what to make of Trevor Lawrence at the moment. Some nice throws and some really quite poor runs. Uh, so two more inceptions in this game to go with his three last week. 
Um, but he did get a touchdown pass. Um, I'm not too sure here. Like, I don't know what to make of Jacksonville at all. They they just don't seem to have an identity. They don't know whether, you know, they're passing the ball, they're running the ball, and they don't seem to do either effectively. Um, yeah, I really don't know, Bod. Yeah, not impressed. I must agree. Um, I thought Lawrence was actually really poor um, this weekend. Um, with the ball, he, he looks... He's almost got that, and I hate to kind of jinx him, but he's almost kind of got that Jameis Winston figure of you always feel like he's going to throw an interception. Um, one positive is that Marvin Jones really does look like a good number one option. Um, obviously, he was kind of always overshadowed by Kenny Golladay in Detroit, but with him being the number one target, I'd be quite confident if I was a Jags fan. But yeah, Lawrence, you'd expect him to be backed up by James Robinson, but that's not really happening. And kind of very average numbers for Robinson each week. So, yeah, I think you kind of nailed it on the head, really. It's um, it's a team that's really trying to work out how they need to develop into a competitive team. You've got to use the pieces that worked last season. Robinson worked last season. He was a thousand-yard rusher, and they're just they're not using him at all. And obviously, I'm biased. He's on my fantasy team, but in terms of you know looking at how the Jags worked last season, it was giving Robinson you know, 20 to 25 carries and using him out the backfield. They're just not doing it anymore. And, you know, their plays are becoming so one-dimensional. And, yeah, I'm not, I am really, really don't know what to make of this team. The defence played better. They got, you know, they got three sacks against a relatively good um, offensive line. And, you know, the only one bright spark for him is Josh Allen, who really does look like mm. a superstar player. But you know what happens with superstar players in Jacksonville. They soon become very agitated and... And want yeah, to superstar players for another team. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, interesting one. We don't know the Jags play the Cardinals next, and you do worry about them. Um, you know, we we said that you know one team wasn't. We said that the Texans weren't the worst team in football, but it's kind of looking like the Jags are. I know it's early days, but they've done nothing to inspire me. Whereas I look at the Texans and the Lions, and at least they're putting on something. You know. Mm, yeah, no, I totally agree. And at this stage, it's probably not going to be too surprising if it's the same two picking at one and two again this year. So it's, yeah, um, yeah again, we two, long way to go. And you've got two rookie quarterbacks in both of those situations. But yeah, Lawrence has, uh, I, I thought he looked really bad, if I'm honest, on, uh, on Sunday. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I want to see a lot more from him. Okay, let's move on to... Uh, Carolina 26, New Orleans Saints 7. Um, not the result I expected. I thought the Saints would be a lot more competitive after their week one showing against the Green Bay Packers. Um, but this moves Carolina to 2-0. and um, And old Sammy Darnold, he looks all right in Carolina. He's got some nice weapons. Obviously helps having Christian McCaffrey. But, um, you know, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, you know, Dan Arnold, they're all getting, they're all getting some Sam Darnold love. And, 26 for 38 and 305 yards, two TDs and an interception. He's having a nice time in Carolina. Absolutely. I am super impressed with this Panthers team. And I'm really like, it really makes me happy to watch them. I, I just think they're a great team. Um, it's nice to have a bit of a comeback story at quarterback. Obviously, McCaffrey as well coming back. Um, kind of some exciting receivers in DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson and the rookie Marshall as well. Um, and then, yeah, on defence, their pass rush is just so underrated. Um, Hassan Reddick seemed to have a really good game this weekend as well. He's kind of a guy that, when we've spoken about before, um, we've kind of mentioned the likes of Brian Burns, who's kind of the real stars. But there's a lot of talent um, kind of in that front seven for, on the Panthers' D. 
and it's just a really fun team to watch. I, they're, they're, I'm really enjoying watching them this season. They're a great team. You're right to mention defence. It's what I wanted to talk about as well. They're PFF's highest rated defence at the moment. Um, you can see why. Yeah, you're, Hassan Redick, he obviously had that game last year where he had six sacks in a game, but he was a monster in this game as well. Brian Burns again, fantastic. Morgan Fox. Um, they've got some really, really nice pieces on defence. But if you look at their 2020 draft, that's, they spent all their picks on you know defensive players. And, you know, they did the same with their first round pick this season. And JC Horn got an inception in this game. Um, I'd be really excited if I was a Carolina fan. And not just because, you know, Sam Darnold looks good, but Christian McCaffrey is completely back to form. Most scrimmage yards in the NFL. DJ Moore looks like a, a true number one receiver. Yeah, there's just so many good things to talk about. Absolutely. Um I just think they're going to grow all, all season long. And absolutely, we've just got to give some big love to Sam Darnold. Uh, obviously, in a very difficult situation in the Jets. He was average, maybe slightly below average, but he's come over here. It's like it's like he's just an, an exciting rookie again. He's playing like he's come out of college with, you know, and he's passed for 50 touchdowns and he's got loads of confidence. Not a guy who's spent the last two years throwing into Jameson Crowder as his number one receiver. It's, That's it, yeah. Yeah, it's like a different player, and I'm yeah super excited to to watch this offense grow. Yeah, me too. It, it does highlight you know good coaching in the NFL and getting put in a good situation, which is something that he certainly um, certainly had here. And let's move on to the Saints. So yeah, Jameis had a Jameis day, a very much a Jameis day. At 111 yards, no touchdowns, and two interceptions. You know, this is where you're going to get with Jameis Winston. We all know that. You know, we've watched him for long enough in this league, especially in 2019. Um, it wasn't his day, but you'd be worried about this offense. You know, Alvin Kamara, eight carries for five yards. And then you look at their receiving options. Nobody got over 28 yards receiving. You know, is it just a week, you know, week two blip or should we look more into this? I mean, if, if I was a betting man, well, which I am, but it's not the point. Um, I'd definitely be looking at week one as more of an anomaly than week two because you look at the total yardage as well, about 150 this week, sitting around that figure. They only passed for 100 around, around the same last week and they got five touchdowns because they were clinical. But if Green Bay didn't have a few turnovers, they wouldn't have been in the position to throw it in the end zone at short yardage. So, yeah, I, I'm not particularly sold on the Saints. As you say, there was one interception, I think it was, where, um, yeah, Jameis just didn't seem to know what he was doing, and it was like Jameis of Tampa Bay. So, but the one thing you did get of Jameis in Tampa Bay is that you got a lot of deep passes, a lot of deep touchdowns, three three hundred and fifty yards every game. Might get three touchdowns, might get three interceptions, but you're kind of seeing a Jameis Winston where at the moment where he's kind of playing like Big Ben in in uh, Pittsburgh. It, it, it's completely the opposite of what you'd expect to see from him. He's playing um, like Taysom Hill. You know, he's not playing like Jameis yeah. Winston. And if they wanted Taysom Hill, play Taysom Hill. You, you know, everyone liked Jameis Winston because of the explosive plays that he gave you and the fact that he kind of didn't know what was going to happen. You know, I could almost bet if Jameis was allowed to throw in this game, they'd be getting more than seven points. All right, he'd have had more than two interceptions probably, but he also wouldn't be worried. I think there's a fear around because, you know, you could argue now that the, the Saints are a bigger team than at the Bucks at the time when he joined anyway. But there's kind of a fear that, you know, he's going to let people down in, a fear that he's fighting for his job within the NFL. Whereas 
with the Bucks, he didn't really have that. And nobody wants to see that. You just want to see a player play exactly the way that they want to play. You know, look at Russell Wilson as a perfect example. When he gets, you know, when it's a run-heavy offense in Seattle, it just doesn't work. When you let Russell cook, it works brilliantly. And you can see what it's doing this year already. I just kind of want to see Jameis unleashed and see what this offense is all about. Yeah, I mean, that Peyton-Breeze combination was a double-digit combination for so many years. Double-digit win, that is, um, for, for so long. And that's from that kind of medium passing game, kind of the 10-yard passes pretty much constantly. But as you say, that's not Jameis's game. Admittedly, aside from Deontay Harris, they don't have many receivers who I'm going to think are going to make big plays down the field. Obviously, Michael Thomas back in a few weeks. But even he, he is he's kind of set up in that same system of making kind of 10, 15-yard catches all the time and being a good red zone target. But to be an exciting team and get the ball down the field quickly, um, Alvin Kamara is your best bet, and he's been pretty anonymous in the passing game so far. So that's a real uh, worry, I think, if I was a New Orleans fan. Yeah, definitely. It'll be interesting to see how they bounce back. Okay, this was a good game. The Indianapolis Colts 24, the Los Angeles Rams 27. So the Rams go 2-0 and and the Colts go 0-2. and um, Let's start with the Rams here. So Matthew Stafford had another nice game. 278 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Um, but the one player I really want to talk about to start with is Cooper Cup, who is having quite the start to his 2021 season uh, nine catches 163 yards and two touchdowns in this following on from a hundred yard game um, last week as well is he turned into the wide receiver one in LA he's been on the verge of it ever since he's come into the league but he's always kind of he's gone he's been the big big deep threat target but he's not been a real number one lever like a Dante Adams or a DeAndre Hopkins but he looks at this season he really does um that Stafford relationship, obviously, we see all the time when a, new, a quarterback goes to a new team. They have this one guy. Sometimes it's a, a guy from the outside. Sometimes it's a guy who's been there a while. But they have this one dependable target. And that's Stafford, obviously, fantastic quarterback to cup. It seems to be like that. So, yeah, I, I can't see Cup's numbers slowing down a massive amount this season. No, that's it. And we know, like, the way Stafford likes to play football is very, very much the same way Jameis does. He's a, he's a deep threat kind of guy. He likes that big play and it works out for him. And it worked out for him in this game against um, a relatively quiet Colts secondary. Um, they run the ball a lot in this game as well, the Rams, which is something they, they will need to do. Henderson with 13 carries and Sony Michelle with 10, um, you know, for 46 yards, which is good to see him back in, back in the game. And their defense played, you know, really well again, Expect exactly how you expect an LA Rams defense to uh, to perform. But yeah, I, again, I was really impressed with the Rams. I, Stafford was always looking like the missing piece and he's definitely found a home there in LA. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as you say, perhaps not the monster game he had last week, but it, he, he looks like a quarterback that can go in and, and match up with any other quarterback in the league right now. Um Aside from Cup, obviously, you've got the likes of Robert, uh, Robert Woods. Um, Van Jefferson still seems like a player that's going to come on this year as well. And as you say, it's nice to have a decent running game in LA again after kind of struggling with Todd Gurley in 2019 and um, not really knowing who the number one back was last year. So, it's um, yeah, I know Henderson picked up a bit of a knock, so hopefully that's nothing serious for them. But um, if not, then I'm quite confident in Michelle to be a, a lead back while he's injured. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, let's move on to the Colts quickly. So Carson Wentz went out this, this game with, with an injury as well. Um, it's looking like he's probably not going to play on Sunday. Um, but before they had quite a nice, a nice game, you know, 247, one TD, one interception. Um, he made brilliant use of Michael Pittman, who had a fantastic game for his stats, 123 yards. Um, and he threw the ball around nicely. Jack Doyle got the ball. Zach Pascal got the ball. Um, defense played better this week. Um, and Jonathan Taylor, you know, looked all right, as well as some carries for Marlon Mack, who's good to see back after his ACL injury in 2020. Um, I think the Colts looked a lot better than they did here in week one, Bud. Agreed. Um, Michael Pittman's been on the verge of this game, I think, for a long time. He's just not quite broken out, but I I really hope this is the start of something for him because every time I see him, he looks like a good player. Um, also got a cracking YouTube channel with his wife, a little tip for you there. Oh, yeah. Um, that he runs kind of behind the scenes sort of stuff. So that's a good watch. Um, Carson Wentz spraining both ankles is quite something. That is so um, Carson Wentz. <laughs> it really is. It's um, six games in a row he's lost now in um, Indian Philly. Um, but yeah, the, the Colts, I can see where their problems are. You, you look at the O-line, it just hasn't quite been good enough. Their red zone offense was dreadful. They just couldn't get the ball in the end zone when they got down there. Um, and the running game, whilst they've got a lot of quality there, is still quite a way off from where it was last year. And you'd expect that to change kind of sooner rather than later with the likes of Matt coming back. who's a player that I really liked when he was um, when he was fit. So I think it's trending in the right direction for Indy, but it's not quite there yet. Um, and if Wentz is up for a, a period of time, then I really don't fancy Jacob Eason or Sam Ellinger to be the answer. Yeah, I completely agree. It'll be interesting to see where they go. It'll probably be with uh, if Eason in you know, if Carson Wentz can't play, which might have an effect on Michael Pittman as well. But um, yeah, it's a shame. But um, I thought they did look better. And I think there's, you know, when you've got the Texans and the Jags in the same division, you've always got a chance for, you know, some wins and some bounce back wins. That's it. And I mean, we saw improvements this week and it's against possibly the best defence in the league. Um, you know, Jalen Ramsey made a couple of big plays, big interceptions to end the game. Um, you know, that front line of the likes of Aaron Donald and Sebastian Joseph Day, you know, like I say about the offensive line, it wasn't particularly good. But when you've got those guys to deal with, you, you're probably putting two or three people on Donald on his own. So it's it, it definite signs of improvement. But um, yeah, that, that went to injury, I think, is going to kill him if he's, if he's out for a period of time. Yeah, me too. Okay, let's move on to uh, Miami Buffalo. Um, <laughs> Buffalo 35, Miami zero um we'll get onto Miami's problems in a bit with with Tua and the rest of their offense but just starting with the Bills um you know Josh Allen Josh Allen's an interesting one that I wanted to talk about he hasn't really been Josh Allen for the first two weeks um you know 17 for 33 two TDs and an interception for 179 yards I know that the Dolphins cornerbacks are very good in Xavier Howard Byron Jones but you know just Obviously, they won this game comfortably. It was 35-0. But just some words on Josh Allen, Bodge. He's not playing how I thought Josh Allen would play within the first two weeks. I mean, for a game that finished 35-0 in the Bills' favour, I thought the Bills' offence was quite average. And I thought the 
that the Dolphins' defense weren't that bad. Yeah. So it was a really strange game. Um, one thing you've got to say about Buffalo, first of all, is that it's good to see them using the ground game. Obviously, we said last week that Zach Moss's healthy scratch was a surprise. He came back in, got a couple of touchdowns. Um, I think Singletary got one on the ground as well. So that was the real key to this game. But as you say, Allen, um, obviously coming up against a few good secondary players uh, that the Dolphins have. So perhaps that's why he used the ground game a little bit more. But yeah, pretty quiet from him. Um, and I don't I don't think he really put up a quality performance that you'd expect a team that won by 35 points to do. So, But on the flip side of that, that's a good sign for Bills fans because there's a lot of room to grow. And you're beating a team who, you know, they lost their quarterback. They're not the best offense team in the world, but they're a decent side. And to beat them that comfortably and to shut them out on defense as well is, um, yeah, good signs for, for the Bills to be back onto form. Yeah, the defense played really well. Six sacks, interception. Um, Gregory Russo, who was their first-round pick with two sacks in this game. So if that defense can get rolling, um, you know, and stay as a very good defense, and then you have a very good offense as well, Buffalo will be going a long way. But I do think it was their defense that really, um, not kept them in this game, but really just kept the ball rolling. And that's what, you know, obviously stopped Miami here and stopped them making any progress. I know they had a tour injury and then Jacoby Brissett came into the game. But, um, you know, if I'm a Dolphins fan, I'm not too worried after this game. Um, I'm more worried about Tua's injury than I am with mm. um, anything else. But Jacoby Brissett, you know, they threw the ball a lot, which you have to do when you're down. He had 40, you know, attempts at throwing the ball. Um, it's just, there, there was just something not clicking. They couldn't even get within field goal range. A lot of it down to to good defence from Buffalo, but I, I know it doesn't look good as a blowout win, but I wouldn't be too worried about the Dolphins. It wasn't a 35-0 game. Definitely no. not. Um, as you say, the tour injury was was obviously a big factor. Brissett came in, threw the ball around a little bit, was quite average, but that's what you expect from a number two quarterback to come off the bench and do. So, um, yeah, I, I, I agree in the fact that I wouldn't kind of jump to conclusions from this game at all either way. I think the Bills will play a lot better, um, but probably not score as many points. And I think the Dolphins will, will be okay. Um, Brissett, you know, like we saw with Heineke, if if it becomes his team for a few weeks, being the starter, it's probably going to improve things quite a lot as opposed to a last-minute call-up off the bench. So, yeah, um, we'll see how they do this weekend. But, I, yeah, it's quite an unrepresentative game, I think. Yeah, me too. Um, Okay, let's stick to the AFC East. New York Jets 6, New England Patriots 25. Uh, Patriots go to 1-1 and and the Jets go to 0-2. We'll get onto the Patriots uh, shortly, but I want to talk about Zach Wilson and um, his performance in this game because to use a quote from Sam Darnold, he was seeing ghosts um, with this Bill Belichick defence. You know, no TDs and four interceptions and Bodge, some of these interceptions were just kind of, I know he's a rookie QB, but they were inexcusable. He was passing to to literally ghost. There was no one no one near him. Absolutely. And, you know, there were loads of stats flying about about how rookie quarterbacks do against the Belichick defence. But when you're throwing three interceptions with, I don't know if it was his first three passes in the game. Um, it was certainly three drives in a row. Um, and then his fourth one, as you say, it was it picked out Devin McCourty. It was a cracking ball just to the wrong team. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that Jets offense looked really poor. Nothing really on the ground either. So 
after kind of thinking last week against the Panthers team that we like, I thought he played quite well in his first game. That was a big step backwards this week. Yeah, it was the, I don't know, man, maybe it's just something about the Jets and quarterbacks, but, you know, it's one game, we won't look too much into it. It's just some of those throws were incredibly dodgy. The, um, yeah, you're right about the passing game. We just couldn't really get anything going. They've got Crowder, you know, on injury reserve and, They've got other injuries as well. You know, when Braxton Barrios is getting seven catches in a game, you know, things probably aren't going too well. Um, but one good thing for the Jets here, and I thought their defense played lights out, especially for the, the first half of this game, you know, considering they've got such a young secondary and, you know, yeah, I, I thought they played really well to even stay in this game and give themselves a chance here. And it was a massive improvement for that defense. Yeah, look, again, kind of, it was a game that I thought we didn't see a whole load on red zone about, um, aside from all of the turnovers from the Jets. Um, but kind of looking down the, looking down what actually went on in the game, they, they kept the Patriots receivers really quiet. Mac Jones kind of had a, a solid game and kind of kept the ball moving, but they kept kind of the, the two big tight ends, you know, big acquisitions, hard to mark, kept them both quiet. Um, yeah, I thought the Jets, Jets defense played really well. I mean, Marcus May is a player that I absolutely love. I think that he, he was kind of my my breakout player of the season. That's not quite happened yet, but um, and perhaps it probably won't happen until he gets out of New York. But um, yeah, the Jets D is, I, I agree, quite impressed. Yeah, so let's talk about um, the Patriots then. So Mac Jones is kind of, even within two weeks, the efficient performer that we all expected him to be, 22 for 30. 186 yards, no TDs, no interceptions either. Um, so the person I want to talk about here is Damien Harris. I don't know if you got a chance to watch his touchdown, but he literally had about seven players around him and he still managed to get over the goal line. It was one of the most incredible touchdowns I've seen for a long, long time. Quite some play. Um, I did see that, yeah. That, that Patriots offense, it was... It was, and again, I hate kind of using a Belichick offense or a Belichick defense as a term, but it kind of looked like a, what you expect from a Patriots team, aside from 2020 under Cam Newton. It was efficient. It wasn't explosive. You know, a lot of um, passes out of the backfield. James White had quite a lot of yards from scrimmage this week. Um, and, you know, he's exactly the kind of player you want as a, with a rookie quarterback. Just he'll take carries. He'll constantly be there for passes out of, out of their, the running back position. So, yeah, I, I, Patriots kind of eased to it in the end. So I think there's probably quite a lot more to see from them. But it was just, um, again, like we said with the Browns, um, it was it was just a complete performance, really. It was a, a good kind of seven out of tens all round. Yeah, that's it. They didn't need to do any more than they did, really. They didn't need to push themselves. Um, and they waited for that Jets defence, as good as it was, to just slow down, get tired, and then pick them off quite nicely. Um yeah, the Patriots look, obviously this won't be their toughest test, but they look pretty good. They look like they've got a quarterback for the future. And yeah, things look all right in New England. Yeah, regardless of who you're, who you're playing, to get four interceptions is impressive. Um, yep. And big up again, Josh Uche, I know a guy I mentioned in the review show last week, but came out with two sacks and two tackles for loss as well. So a real kind of growing player in that Patriots linebacker corp. Yeah, definitely. It looks like a real baller. And also JC Jackson, they did get two of those picks for the Patriots as well. Got 10 last season and looking like a stud cornerback. A real ball hawk. Yeah, absolute ball hawk. And considering they've still got Stephon Gilmore to come back as well. Um, could be quite dangerous down there in New England. All right, let's move on to 
my team, the Chicago Bears. Uh, Bears 20, Bengals 17. Uh, this should have been a lot easier for the Chicago Bears uh, at 23, <laughs> but we decided to, you know, give the Bengals a sniff, which you never really do want to do with a Tiger. But um, interesting game, this. Really interesting game. You know, Dalton comes out of the game with an injury. He was actually playing pretty well. I thought 9 of 11 you know, for a touchdown and then Justin Fields comes in. But the biggest talking point for me as a Bears fan or the thing I'd be most excited about was that defence started to play well again. Um, Three interceptions on three consecutive plays of Joe Burrow, which is impressive in itself. But four sacks, one for Quinn, uh, one for Mack. uh, And Roquan Smith, who's just an absolute beast of a linebacker as well. Um, Yeah, I was a lot more content with a performance than I was in week one it was exactly what Chicago should be it should be a good defensive team and then you just try and score enough points to win that's the way Chicago play football that's that's not going to change um yeah what did you make of this one Liam yeah all about defense for me um that defense looked fantastic it really did um you know similar to the Jets game three interceptions on back-to-back drives um, is just superb. You know, the we, we've spoken a lot about the Bengals O-line, but to get four sacks is always going to do you good. Um, and absolutely, that defence just kind of had that 2018 vibes, which I think Chicago fans have wanted for, for the last couple of years to get back to that standard again. But um, yeah, I'll hand it back over to you because I'm really interested to hear what you thought about their offence because I really have mixed feelings. Yeah, you know, I'll be honest, I wasn't impressed by... Justin Fields um, at all. Uh, I know people come out and say, oh, well, you, you know, just, just just one game, just one half of football. But Andy Dalton was the better quarterback in this game. There's not even a shadow of a doubt about it. And in fact, Justin Fields put us in a position where we could have lost that game with that interception. Um, you know, David Montgomery is very much the cornerstone of this offense and everything should go through him. And he got 20 carries again in this game. Um, and it looks like the way they're going to use Fields is mostly of his legs because he got 10 carries as well. And he did get that, that first down that iced the game. But um, this is what happens when you don't give a quarterback any first-team reps, pretty much. You stick him into a situation that can always come about in the NFL where your quarterback one gets injured and he's got no real chemistry with with the offense. And, you know, we did have a couple of drops, Darnell Mooney and Alan Robertson, who you just don't expect to drop one in the end zone that could have made this game um, a lot better off. But if you were saying to me, who do you want to start next week? If both quarterbacks are fit, I'm starting Andy Dalton. Yeah, I I think that's a fair assessment and um, kind of the direction that I was going in as well. And that actually Fields, I thought was, obviously he's put in in a difficult situation, but I thought he was quite underwhelming. Um, And I think the fact that the Bengals kind of clamped down Alan Robinson, obviously got a touchdown, but apart from that, just one other catch. yeah, made it a bit of a struggle. Um, Mooney, obviously, with a little bit of action. But, um, yeah, I think kind of really my main concern or target, perhaps, for the Bengal, uh, for the Bears' offence is they need to get that big number one receiver you've paid a lot of money for, more than two catches a game. Yeah, and you've got to be throwing more than 116 yards in a game. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's nowhere near good enough. And they have to work out how to get these explosive plays going. You've got quick receivers in. Marcus Goodwin and Demir Bird and, you know, Darnell Mooney, and they're just not using the big play at all. But, you know, let's look at a team that does use a big play nicely, and that's the Bengals. And Jamar Chase had another, you know, big game, really, not in terms of amount of receptions, but 
another big touchdown and they use Tyler Boyd really well and T Higgins is looking like a really good receiver. Um, but And the defence looked good for the Bengals as well. I was, I was quietly impressed with their defence. It's just, you know, Joe Burrow just had one of those games really. And, you know, it does happen. You know, three touchdowns off three consecutive plays. Um, I wouldn't be too worried about the Bengals here, Liam. I thought they were they showed enough to be a competent team, both on defence and offence. I think the biggest thing I take about away from it from, from a Bengals fan point of view is that really your team should be 2-0. Um, you know, as, as you say, the fact that the Bears only put up 116 yards worth of passing offence is, you know, well below what you'd want. Um, obviously, for a pick six as well, Burrow with three interceptions, it's... Uh, since he should have come away from that game with a win, they should have capitalised on Dalton, who I agree looked quite good when he was in. Obviously, their former starting quarterback as well. Um, they should have capitalised on him going out on the rookie having to go in. But yeah, but at the end of the day, there's still promising science. Joe Burrow, since he's come into the league, has impressed more than he's failed. So I think you just put this down to a bit of an off day from him, and they they should be able to bounce back next week. Yeah, I agree. I think they're a good team, and they'll be. Um... Absolutely fine. All right, let's go on to the high-scoring game of week two. So Tampa Bay Buccaneers 48 and the Atlanta Falcons 25. I, I still think even with this score, it's doing the Falcons some sort of justice. I know it was closer until those two Tampa Bay defensive uh, touchdowns. But, you know, this is really a game of, of I don't know, men versus boys in a way. Uh, Tom Brady looked imperious this season at 44 years old. Five touchdowns for 276 yards. I mean, this this guy, he doesn't age. Ridiculous, isn't it? Um, and once that actually, I didn't clock. I think it might have happened last week, but Brady to Gronk is now over 100 touchdowns. Yeah, um, 101. <laughs> absolutely crazy. Um, but I, I totally agree. I think really the the, the scoreline is quite generous on the Falcons. The Falcons are a team that I'm really worried about. Um, but the the Bears, uh, Bears, Bucks offense just looks so, there's just so many options. 10 players caught a catch. Um, obviously, two touchdowns each for Gronk. And I think it was Mike Evans with, with two as well. Yeah. Um, and those three, I mean, Gronk is just, back to being is Gronk now in the conversation for the best tight end in the league I think if this form keeps up he definitely is oh he's, he's definitely up there I mean he's got four touchdowns in two games I mean the guy when it comes to red zone football is just impossible to stop he's he literally unstoppable you know he yeah he, there was an interview of him today where there might have been I can't remember if it was today no it was on uh, Monday Night Football with Peyton and Eli Manning where he just said you know Cambrai asked him do you watch any tape? I was like, no, no, I don't, don't watch any tape. You know, I don't even turn up to practice on Fridays when you're doing your red zone drills because I'm not going to get stopped. I'm just going to walk past guys. And he does. This is always one player I remember from him, which is from, I think it, it was against the Steelers in like 2014. And he catches, a, it might have been a two-point conversion in the end zone and literally just laughs at the Steelers defender who's just literally been marking him all night and cannot get anywhere near him. Um Incredible but it's player. fun to watch. I know there's a lot of people out there who, you know, probably watched NFL the last 15 years and hates Brady winning Super Bowls every year. But personally, I, I, I love to see it. It's it's a fun team to watch. That Brady to Gronk, the fact that they must be, what, about 80 combined combined age is, um, yeah, keep going. Good on them. I love it. I love this version of Tom Brady. He is just so much fun to watch. He's as good now as he's ever been. And he's making more 
deep passes and completed deep passes than he's ever made. And, you know, when you've got Antonio Brona and getting one catch in this game and them still winning uh, with 48 points, this it's just an unbelievable team. And that defence is always going to keep them in games as well. You know, three inceptions in this game, two of which were taken back to the house. Um, yeah, this Bucks team looks as brilliant as it did at the end of last year. He, he looks like he's having a lot of fun as well. He looks like he's always got a smile on his face. You know, he, he's obviously, he's in the sun. He's always tanned. He's kind of, he looks like he's, aged about minus five since he's since he arrived in florida like it's he I, I believe him when he says he can keep going till he's 50. oh yeah definitely he can easily keep going till he's 50 because you know no part of his game has slowed down when you look at let's look at the other side of the ball with matt ryan he's seven years younger than um tom brady but he looks like he's he's completely collapsing before our eyes he looks the most washed quarterback in the league, um, and that's a, that's. I, I really thought that award would go to Big Ben, um, but he looks past it. And this is a guy that I've always really liked. Um, you know, he's he's had Julio Jones in the past. He's had um, Austin Hooper. He's now got Ridley. Um, Kyle Pitts had a decent game. Cordero Patterson saw a lot of the ball as well. So it's not a bad offense, and he didn't put up too bad of the yardage, but. That was when he was chasing the game and they were about 25 points down. So I'm not going to read loads into that. Um, But he just looks like he's not an NFL caliber quarterback anymore, which is sad. But I think it's time for the Falcons to move on at the end of the season. I'm saying that in week two. Uh, Yeah, no, I completely agree. um, And they'll end up with a good pick. It's not looking like a good season for the Falcons already. Mm. I I will say, because, you know, listeners know how much I love Josh Rosen. It was good to see him get two throws in this. Um, sadly, he didn't complete any of them. But, um, you know, nice to see him get on the field and maybe get a chance. Because let's face it, if Matt Ryan doesn't perform, then Josh Rosen's in. And that's the way yeah. the things are going in Atlanta at the moment. Um, but, yeah, you're right on Cole Pitts. He had a bigger game, you know, um, which is exactly what they're going to have to do. Calvin Ridley, again, nice game. Cordaro Patterson, you know, two touchdowns, one rushing, one receiving. Who? Who the hell have thought that he'd be uh, running back eight in fantasy after week two? Is he really? Wow. He really is. That's quite crazy. He's kind of, obviously, you kind of see quarter of house and you think he, he returns kind of one or two touchdowns, uh, uh, punts or kickoffs the season. But in the actual offense, he's not really offering much. But I guess with the Falcons, you know, running back situation, Mike Davis hasn't really shown what you'd want him to do. Um, yeah, maybe he'll see quite a lot of the ball this season and uh, really become an integral piece to the offence, which he's never really been. Yeah, I completely agree. All right, let's move on to some kicker pain. And my God, I'm gutted that Liam Whiting is not on the podcast <laughs> for this one. But um, he's having some fun in Switzerland trying to forget about the Arizona Cardinals 34 and the Minnesota Vikings 33. The Vikings losing this in the dying seconds of the game after another... Um, Missed kick um, by Joseph this time. They've had kicker problems for years and years. And this is just another one to um, add to the towel. It was only 37 yards out as well, Bodge. And I tell you what, I know I laughed at Liam for this, but this happens to the Vikings so many times. And that game was there for the taking. When we were chatting before the pod, the first thing I said was, I just don't understand how they lost that game. Um, You know, the offense was good. Cook got over 100 yards. Cousins looked pretty good. Three, three touchdowns. Um, 
I mean, this KJ Osborne seems a proper breakout player. You know, with him, Phelan and Jefferson, I'd argue that they're kind of getting up to the realms of C.D. Lamb. Um, I've written C.D. Lamb twice here. I mean, C.D. Lamb, Cooper and Michael Gallup. Um, you know, that is that proper three-headed monster at the wide receiver position. Um, defense, secondary is probably where they lost it. But, um, you know, they got a couple of picks. Daniel Hunter with three sacks as well. Um, and the O-line only allowed one sack. And that's against the team that had Chandler Jones, who got five sacks, I think, last week. So everything points towards a good Vikings performance and a good win. But kickers, that's that's where you want to lose sometimes. Kickers matter. It's, it's times like that that I will never, ever not be grateful for having Justin Tucker. That's it, yeah. I mean... I- it, the late games really show that kickers do matter and they are people too and the Vikings just cannot get one. It's kind of, you're getting to the point where the Vikings could get Justin Tucker in a trade and he'd start missing these kind of kicks because <laughs> it, it's really weird what happens to to the Vikings kickers and yeah, it's a devastating loss that because you're right, they didn't play that badly, especially on offense, they played really well and defense, they just about done enough but, you know, Let's give props to the Cardinals and Kyler Murray with, you know, 400 yards, four total touchdowns. All right, he did get two picks as well. But, you know, this this offense is powerful. Rondell Moore looks like a superstar breakout player already, 114 yards in this game. Max Williams with 94 yards in this game. They didn't really need DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, they kept Hopkins quiet. They kept Christian Kirk relatively quiet. Um, the running backs, obviously, not particularly impressive. Um and they still put up 33 points. So, um, yeah, super, super performance by the Cardinals, 400 yards in the air, um, and it just doesn't look like slowing down. As I said, my prediction last week was that they put up 50 points. I nearly said 500 yards, but I went for 50 points. So I was like, I'll take half a point for that. Yeah, I'll give you um, they got nearly 500 <laughs> total yards. So I guess yeah. I guess that counts. That's, that's it fine. Was, um, you know, I think kind of Vikings, you know, maybe if uh, Davin Cook hadn't have had such a good game, they would have got up a few more points uh, with, with the time on the wall. But, um, but no, um, Cardinals' defence has probably got to be under a little bit of question there because they were pretty impressive um, to keep Derek Henry and AJ Brown quiet last week. But this week they, yeah, put up 33 points to a good Vikings offence, but probably made to look a little bit better by the, by the Cardinals' defence, who I'd expect a little bit more from. Yeah, definitely. I think you're looking at the Cardinals now as probably the most exciting team in football because, you know, this offence is, especially Kyler Murray, let's just talk about Kyler quickly because he's getting to the point where this is MVP conversation kind of material within the first two weeks already. He's now second favourite in the in the runnings. Behind um, Mahomes, I so, Yes, behind Mahomes, who, you know, look, look didn't look completely Mahomes-like this weekend. So, Kyler, absolutely. Um, if, you're, if you're putting money on, then I think Kyler's a good option right now. Yeah, me too. Me too. All right, let's talk about um, a guy who's perennially talk about as an MVP candidate, Russell Wilson and his Seattle Seahawks team. So they went down uh, 33-30 to the Tennessee Titans, leaving both these teams at 1-1. One one. Um, overtime victory where kickers again matter. And uh, the Titans kicker, well, proved to be the difference here. But this was another really fun game. And the late games kind of saved um, football in a way uh, this week because the early games were not good at all. But this was a really, really good game. And the Titans 
came back in a big way. And Derek Henry, my God, this guy came back in a big way. 182 yards on the ground, along with three touchdowns. But what was most impressive about the Henry performance, six receptions for 55 yards. <laughs> You've literally stolen exactly what I've been on here. Yeah, uh, 200 plus scrimmage yards, three touchdowns. And um, as someone who, my kind of, my hot take for the season was Titans to get the number one pick in the AFC. Um, this is much more of the performance I'd expect to see from them. Um, we'll come on to defences in a bit because I thought both were quite bad, but focusing on the offence first, um, really good to see Julio Jones get in the action as well. Obviously, he's added down a couple of years, particularly last year. He was just nowhere um, in Atlanta. So it's really good to see him back up to the performance that we'd expect from a guy who's probably going to make a, make it to the Hall of Fame when he retires. Yeah, definitely. I mean, in terms of possession in this game the Titans had the ball for 43 minutes um you know they had 40 passing attempts Derek Henry alone had 35 carries I mean it is I know there was overtime but these are ridiculous numbers and Mm. yeah I was this is the Titans team that I wanted to see anyway we all know they're not gonna be that good on defense but this offense especially if Julio Jones gets going and AJ Brown and Derek Henry this is a really fun powerful offense to to watch and I thought their defense although it wasn't great it played slightly better and there's um there's players there to be you know relatively impressed by but yeah really enjoy the Titans in this game and it's good to see them come back from from that week one loss yeah this is as, as I said this is exactly the Titans performance that I want to see I want to see them giving the ball to Derek Henry constantly I want to see him sending defenders you know out of the stadium I want to see play action kind of 30 yards down the field to Julio Jones and AJ Brown. This is what the Titans are capable of. And I think definitely, I, I, I think week one was just a bit of a rusty start, but this is the Titans um, Titans team that I expect to really be an AFC contender this year. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, if we're looking from the Seahawks point of view, again, I wouldn't be too worried. I thought Russell Wilson played really well. Um, you know, 343 yards, two touchdowns. Um, one of which was to Tyler Lockett, who had another lights-out performance with 178 yards off eight receptions in this game. Um, just a quick word on Tyler Lockett, probably the most underrated receiver in the entire league, do you reckon? Yeah, um, and it's making me look really good for uh, not keeping Tyler Lockett and Cooper Cup this year uh, in fantasy. So I think they must be, what, one and two in the league? So that's a fantastic call by me um, to not keep either of those. That is impressive, <laughs> to be fair. That is good. Um, yeah, it's, I, I totally agree. I think they'll be absolutely fine. They came up against, you know, one of the hardest offenses to play. Um, as I said, I don't think either defense was particularly good. Um, well, I just want know, to give a shout out to um, Bobby Wagner. Sixteen tackles in this game, and yeah. one sack. Sixteen tackles. The next highest was five. four assisted as well, which is um, yeah, twenty twenty tackles total over the whole game. Uh, the next is, highest in the league was 13. It's absolutely ridiculous. This guy is playing on a different planet at the moment. To... It's kind of, yeah, obviously, you go back in the past with Seattle, they had that whole legion of boom with Cam Chancellor and El Thomas and all the rest of them. Bobby Wagner was probably a little bit after that, but he is really that one key key piece on defence, which they need to be a leader because there's uh, not the most amount of talent there, um, aside from Jamal Adams. Yeah, that's it. But um, no, I've got no worries about the Seahawks at all. I think they've got a bounce-back game against the Vikings um, next week. No offence to the Vikings there, but I can only really see that going one way. But we'll discuss that on the preview show. 
All right. Um, so this was my game of the week. Well, it was on paper anyway. It probably didn't turn out that way. But again, kickers matter. So Los Angeles Chargers 17, Dallas Cowboys 20. A really big win for the Dallas Cowboys here, um, going one and one. Um, you know, Dak played pretty well, 23 for 27, 237 and an interception. But that doesn't tell all the story. But I think the story here was the running game for the Cowboys. Tony Pollard looked really good with 109 yards. And Zeke looked um, kind of back to his best. They both got a touchdown as well. Absolutely. And it's not something we've been able to see about the Cowboys for a long time. But yeah, the running game put up, I think it was nearly 200 yards. So um, a couple of touchdowns in there as well. Pollard, he's always a back that when I see him, I'm kind of quite confident in. Um, whereas Zeke, kind of, you, you think he's only ever going to get two or three yards, but definitely an improvement in this game. Um, but yeah, Cowboys pretty happy with them. Uh, Chargers on the other side of the ball. I thought we were a little bit of a letdown, um, I have to say. I don't think Herbert played as well as he could have done. Um, although, um, you know, still put up quite a lot of yardage. But that Chargers team just couldn't really get it in the end zone as much as I thought they would. They were hindered by penalties. So they did have two touchdowns uh, called back for stupid penalties. Um, which would have changed the entire game, which is why I think Justin Herbert's stat line is kind of miffed in a little way, you know, with with one TD and two interceptions. That should have been at least three TDs on that board. It's just like, penalties let this Chargers team down badly this week, and this sh- this game should have been wrapped up way before it was because, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think Justin Herbert had a bad game at all. I just kind of... It was just down to just stupid plays by other members of the offense, holding calls and stuff like that. On another day, they win this game, but it's such a Chargers thing to do to lose these games, which is kind of what they've got to change their perception of being. Because when you've got wide receivers that are playing as well as Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, Mike Williams especially, playing really well. He, he needed to have a big season and he is having a big season. That's it. And I think... This, what's really going to let the Chargers down is they've still got six games to play against the, the Chiefs, um, Broncos and Raiders. Um, what a division that is, by the way. Um, yeah, incredible. We, it looked pretty good already, but the fact that the Broncos have probably been a little bit better than we thought and the Raiders have been quite a lot better than we thought. Wow. That's, um, you could easily see kind of at least three of those teams making the playoffs, if not even all four, if they're, if they're really on it. But it's... Um, yeah, Chargers, I think, will be absolutely fine still. They came up against one of the most potent offences in football. Admittedly, didn't go the way that probably they would have planned. But, um, yeah, but from a Cowboys point of view, I think there's a lot to look forward to there. Obviously, we saw week one. They did it all through the air. And Dak, probably one of the best players last weekend, um, put up a lot of yardage and didn't deserve to lose. And then this week, they've done it on the ground, which is a pleasant surprise uh, as someone who's a bit of a fan of the Cowboys. Yeah, that's it. Just one last word on Mike McCarthy's terrible execution of the last minute of a game of football where he could have got so much closer than um, he did for Greg's Airlines, what was it, 52-yard kick, I think, at the end. He really didn't help out his kicker at all, but what a kick that was. And I always imagine the pressure they're under, because that is serious pressure, really, um, especially from 50-plus 50, 50 yards out. It takes a lot of bottle to do something like that, and he's done it quite a lot, and yeah, I was genuinely impressed. And kickers matter, Bodge. I'll say that for 17 weeks of this season and forever. I think you've got some bad experiences, haven't you? So I think it's definitely a valuable note coming from you. Yeah, true that. Fucking Cody Parkey. <laughs> right. Uh, point, let's, before we move on, let's just talk about the uh, locks. How did they go this week? Uh, uh, as well, well, the Chargers. 
Yeah, well, they've not gone well for me again, really. Um, I'm going to blame this one on the uh, two touchdowns that were nullified. So I'm gonna, I, I might claim it as a win, but you know, I've, <laughs> I've probably gone naught and two here. Uh, you've been lucky by the fact that the Vikings don't have a kicker. Never in doubt. Never in doubt. So that's bullshit. Um, <laughs> I didn't actually expect my team to beat the Bengals. So Ollie's lost on that one, and Olivia's lost on the Saints lock as well quite quite heavily really um, and it'll hurt her even more that Sam Darnold was playing very well uh, but yeah it's she's not just going been pretty... called up to the Jets practice squad at this rate so yeah I well I think she's got to do something because you know this is this is two and out uh, Norton two already on the locks is very disappointed but um, uh, how did fantasy go this week between me and you kind of went... that's fair all right one yeah. all yeah one all <laughs> um, yeah exactly. no it was uh, I, I mean you know, the guy that will come on to in a second carry for my team, um, and it still wasn't a particularly good score. Um, I, I don't yeah. know who really got your points. Your quarterback's got a lot of points. Oh, you've got Kyler and me. Kyler Murray, uh, Diggs, Hopkins, Christian McCaffrey. Um, oh, yeah, McCaffrey. Uh, my defence got a ridiculous amount of points. They got two touchdowns. Um, yeah, there was, there was just a lot of points going on. But hey, my weekend week. was over kind of after Thursday night football, after Golladay and Gibson combined for about 14 points. So, yeah, that's the um, thing with fantasy football, man. Like, you can get done on, on Thursday night. Like, I've got McCaffrey and DJ Moore playing this Thursday night, and you never know if they don't have good games, it, that really is kind of all over. And you have to wake up to it as in. well. I nearly put Gronk in a flex, but even still, I was kind of, I didn't have any points on my bench, so I'll just have to certainly take the take the loss this week and accept it. That's it, mate. But one thing you didn't have to take the loss on was the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday night football. My God, this is already game of the year. Um, to go along with the other game of the year for the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> um, Ravens 36, Kansas City Chiefs 35. Bodge, talk us through it. Game of the year, I think you've summarised it already. Um, no, I mean, I think the first place to start is um, that is, as a football fan, you can't ask for much more than that. Um, and I think someone put it quite nicely. It might have even been in the YouTube comments section on the highlights of, you know, Lamar, for all his, his faults, has shown exactly, you know, why people love him. And he's in the same category as Patrick Mahomes when it comes to entertainment when you're watching a football game. Um, and it is absolutely, you know, why I love the man. Um, but moving on to the game, um, <laughs> just crazy. Uh, start with a pick six. Um, not Lamar's best throw, but um, it was a bit of a slip as well by Sammy Watkins, obviously ex-chief. And after that, it just felt like we played so well and it just felt like that pick six was going to cost us all the way. Um, and a massive play by Adafi Owe in the two-minute warning, a guy that I should have given praise to last week as well because he was fantastic. Um, and it's been a pass rusher that we've needed for such a long time. But uh, the, the scenes in my bedroom at quarter past four when he made that fumble was <laughs> quite something. It was like manic cheering. So um, It was an incredible play. I mean, I, obviously, I didn't start for the game like you did, but I was watching the highlights, and, you know, it just felt like every time that the Chiefs got the ball, they scored, and I just couldn't see a way back for the Ravens. And... You know, you, you kind of managed to to stop them in the in the fourth quarter, really. And just Lamar Jackson, my God, that man with his legs is just ridiculous. He's such a threat every single play. It kind of feels like you could call Lamar Jackson running play every single time, and he still have success. Like it, it is crazy how good that man is with his legs. Oh, he is just 
my favourite player in the whole world, and I don't even know what else to say apart from that. But no, um, on the ground, you know, you hand it off to Murray. No, you don't. Jackson's got it and he's in the end zone. That's just how this goes, and that's how we win games, and that's how we went 14 and 2 two years ago. So, and that was kind of the real takeaway for me is it felt like a 2019 performance, which is something that I've, I don't even think we saw last season. So, um, and you know, we did that with um, Deshaun. Elliot, our strong safety, uh, free safety, going down injured in the first half. Brandon Williams and Calais Campbell both going down in the second half. Um, and that's without Derek Wolf, one of our best players on defence, out of the game at all. Um, so the fact that we did that with a whole new defensive line um, obviously made the big play on the quarterback and forced the interception as well uh, through, through pass protection. So uh, it, was just, it was such a complete performance and it was everything that we needed. Um, but as I say, the fact that we've still got Ronnie Stanley to come back, although he looks like he's going to be out for a few weeks, um, and Nick Boyle as well. It's, you know, this time last week when I was on the podcast, I was really down about the Ravens, but that was like a whole new team. Um, and, the offensive line yeah. was so much better. It's the first thing I picked up on watching the highlights. It, it not only did Lamar have a lot more time to make his throws, they they blew some gaps open and they, they blocked really well, both in the run and the pass. I, yeah, I mean... It's kind of looking like the week one blip was just a blip on the offensive line. Um, I just wanted to talk about the Ravens' defence because obviously giving away 33 points in the first game, 35 in this game, you will have to tighten it up if you're going to win um, some well some games where you're not going to score as highly as this one. We made good plays and bad plays on defence. Um, obviously, you look at times like the, the Travis Kelsey touchdown where he received the ball at the 30-yard line and beat about five of our players. Um, which was just unacceptable. But then you also look at players, uh, plays like, example, the OA um, strip sack, um, and as well the big play uh, by Anthony Averett, who's a guy that's come up, um, a guy that the Ravens defense team have loved for such a long time. But whenever we've seen him as fans, he's always looked a bit susceptible. But he made a massive play on Tyreek Hill um, to to force a punt, which really then set up the game-winning touchdown. So. Big shout out to him. Um, but yeah, there's definitely improvements to be made. Patrick Queen's a guy that I've been a little bit let down by so far this season. He he needs to up his game in year two. But players like Owe have come out of the blocks flying. Um, Avera as well. Chuck Clark is always an outstanding player in the secondary. Um, and Justin Houston is a veteran blessing as well. I've been impressed with. So it wasn't our best performance, but there's definite improvements to come in that defence. Yeah, definitely. And um you know, keeping Tyreek Hill down to 14 yards is really quite impressive. But, uh, you know, I don't think we need to say too much about the Kansas City Chiefs. They played really well in this game. Mahomes played, you know, very well in this game. Three TDs, interception, 343 yards. Travis Kelsey's an absolute monster. I mean, I don't know what more to say about the man. His touchdown was ridiculous. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Um, I know it, I know it's not good from your defence, but the way he, he broke tackles and got through about five or six guys was so impressive. and. Yeah, I think we can all, you know, Tyron Matthew with two interceptions, uh, two interceptions as well. The Chiefs are going to be absolutely fine. It's just one of those games that that happen sometimes, and you know, Andy Reid's not going to be worried about this one. It was, and the fact that as well, it was, it was. It's not even you can put it down to a, a regular error that they're making. It was uh, Edward Seller, obviously second year in the league, his first ever fumble, um, and he's done that with just over a minute left on the clock when his team were comfortably in field goal range. It's an absolute gutter if you're a Chiefs fan. Um, but as a guy who's lost to the Chiefs in 2018, 2019 and 2020, that's a 
big statement from us um, and we needed that. I'd argue that's probably a bigger win than our playoff win last season. Oh yeah, 100%. It's a real statement win against, you know, probably if not the best team in football, then definitely the second best team in football. So fantastic result. I was well happy for you when I woke up and saw the result on the highlights because, you know, everyone needs a win like that, don't they? And uh, And shout out to John Harbour, fourth and one to West again. Yeah, that's um, outstanding. Got to that's, talk about that play. That's, that's Andy Reid kind of ice cold bollocks level, you know, <laughs> shit that we're talking about there. So so good. So uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. Really good game. Uh, it would take a lot of beating. But yeah, very good stuff. So, right. As you say, that is now two massive games we've been involved in. Incredible games. Is it like, yeah. and actually, in fairness, the the six I think it's six prime time games we've seen this season, and obviously Monday night football, which we'll come on to, was not quite to the same standard. But all of the other games have been absolute classics. Yeah, so so good. I mean, yeah, let's get on to Monday night football now. Um, so Packers thirty five, Lions seventeen. This was a lot closer than uh, people thought it was, especially for the first half of this game the Lions even went in with a lead of 17 to 14 and um, all right we'll start with the Packers I guess because Aaron Rodgers did you know throw four touchdowns in this game no interceptions looked very much back to being Aaron Rodgers but I want to talk about Aaron Jones instead um, you know three touchdowns receiving as well as one rushing um, you know he did our mate Ollie very good scoring 41 fantasy points um, but a poignant touch that um, it's the first game he's had at Lambeau since his dad passed away in April. And um, yeah, it was just, he just seems like one of the nicest guys in football and I was really happy for him. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And he's always a guy that is never, he doesn't often put up big yardage, but he'll always kind of get you like, say 70 yards and two touchdowns. He, he knows his way into the end zone. Um, and he is probably a bit of an underrated pass catching back as well. You know, he's not quite to the calibre of McCaffrey and Kamara, but between behind those two, he's probably right up there. So, um, yeah, four touchdowns, you can't complain about that at all, can you? Um, but this Packers offence just looked like it looked quite um, complete again. You know, Adams, kind of the number one target, getting you down the field, Jones punching it in, Tonya in a red zone threat. Um, and kind of a couple of other players as well making making some decent plays. So, yeah, this is the Packers' offense that we expect to see. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, week one's looking more like a blip than than anything else. Uh, yeah, Devontae Adams back to his best with 121 yards. Um, yeah, it was just a Packers' performance at Lambeau against the Lions. That's just what they do. Um, Aaron Rodgers comes out of it with a passer rating of 145 or something, which is incredible. But the one thing I will, I do want to talk about the Packers, and I guess this moves on to the Lions as well, is their pass rush and their defense. They didn't get any sacks in this game. Now, I don't know whether that says more about the Green Bay pass rush or about the uh, offensive line for the Lions, which is really good, but they do need to pressure the quarterback more. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and I think having Zadarius Smith on IR is a big factor into that. Um, a guy that obviously I saw in Baltimore for a couple of years always looked okay. And then his first season in, in Green Bay, he just exploded. Um, so a guy that also everything I read about him is he is one of the most, one of the best leaders in football. Um, so I think they're really missing him. He's on IR, so he's probably not going to be back for quite a few weeks at least. Um, but you know, they have got talent in there still. It's, you know, it's not particularly many big names on that defence, but I agree they need to step up a little bit to uh, pressure the quarterback and get some turnovers for, for Rodgers to have a chance to win the big games. Yeah, absolutely. On the other side of the ball, the Lions did get to Rodgers three times. 
and um, their offensive line looks fantastic. Penarsal especially it give it gives Jared Goff so much time, and Goff looks competent, more than competent. He got twenty, you know, twenty six for thirty six, two forty six, um, a touchdown, uh, two touchdowns, sorry, and an interception. Um, but his favourite targets clearly T.J. Hawkinson, who's had another massive game. But Jared Goff looks more than good enough to be quarterback one in Detroit. It's a similar situation to Jalen Hurts in that he hasn't got much talent around him and actually he's, he's still putting up decent numbers. Um, as you say, Hawkinson is the real quality player in that offence. Um, absolutely no question that he is kind of up there with uh, one of the best tight ends in the league. Um, one guy that I've, I've really enjoyed watching the past two weeks, although he didn't make the plays all the time, but he was always around the ball, was Quintus Cephas. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously not a guy we saw much when Stafford was at the crease, although he had um, Golladay and Marvin Jones ahead of him at that point. But Cephas is a guy that actually he kind of looks almost, almost like a, a Valdez Scantling kind of player, almost gonna, always going to make a big play and always going to be quite exciting to watch. So, um, yeah, Goff to Cephas could be quite a fun combination to watch this year. But, um, no, totally agree. Goff is uh, doing himself proud in Detroit. Well, if you're going to get that much time in the pocket, which is what Detroit are going to give you, then you're going to get a chance to make plays. And, you know, Detroit, you know, they were spoken about as maybe the worst team in football before the season started or definitely in the top two in the conversation. But, yeah, I I think they've been really quite impressive. They've put up a fight in both their games, especially the 49ers game. And they're no, nowhere near the worst team in football, I don't think. They'll win a few games this season, Detroit. Yeah, it's... it's... Everyone assumed uh, that, yeah, it would be the Lions and the Texans, the top two next year, but it's not looking that way at all. I actually put, I mean, I put a bet on it at the start of the season that the Texans and the Jags, this was just an outside bet, but they were both going to go 0-17. Um, so obviously that lost in week one, and actually it's <laughs> like a really, really bad take. Um, but no, We don't give betting tips on it because they, ne- they never come through, so don't worry about it. But, uh, yeah, we're not allowed to, you know, since we uh, we did Sky Bet over uh, a couple of weeks ago with that uh, odds odds mismatch. Yeah, that's very uh, true, actually. They're probably uh, on the wanted yeah. list somewhere by uh, Sky Bet and the <laughs> it's, Poppy. It's, that's still looking good. It's it's the only one that I probably like to say for context. Um, this bet was meant to be sixty six to one, but it was priced as one hundred and twenty five to one, um, and it is Washington Titans Browns Bucks. And Rams, Rams, yeah, Rams to win their divisions. So I've got twenty on it. So that will return three grand if that comes. I think it's one hundred and fifty to one. Sorry, not it was one hundred fifty to one. Yeah, I've got a tenner on yeah. it. So, so I've got twenty on it. So it's um, yeah, we'll be fleecing them if that comes in. But um, Washington probably the ones to watch there. Yeah, exactly. No, yes, uh, that was such a great spot. And um, yeah, no, fantastic stuff. Bod, we managed to get through sixteen games, mate. I know. Uh, just a couple more points on the Packers game uh, yep. just before we close out. Um, you might have already seen the story, but Aaron Jones um, losing his father's ashes on the field. Yes. Um, wears them around his necklace. Obviously quite sad, but it was a lovely comment by him. The fact that, you know, it, it, his father told him, he likes to think that his father would have told him that if you're going to lose it anywhere, lose it in the end zone. So that's, um, I thought that was a really, really lovely thing to say. Um, and then elsewhere, I don't know. Oh, oh, by the way, uh, do you want to know the good news on that? They found it. Oh, did they? They did. Aaron Jones came out and said, um, yeah, that someone's passed it to me and found it and I'll keep it a lot safer than I did this time. <laughs> I hope they did find nice. it in the end zone. Yeah, yeah me too. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, and that's my other point. I don't know if we can catch it in the UK, but you mentioned the, uh, that the two Manning brothers are currently doing Monday night football coverage, and the clips that I've seen of it are absolutely brilliant. So I really hope there is a way we can watch it. Yeah, um, so was... um, you can if you get ESPN on. I, I don't think I can advertise illegal streams on here, but if you can find <laughs> ESPN somewhere, or if you can sign up to it or subscribe, it's um, it's on there at the moment, and it is so worth a watch. The conversations they have are absolutely brilliant, and the guests are, you know, they had Russell Wilson on in week one, and uh, Travis Kelsey, and people like that. It's it's absolutely fantastic. So yeah, if you can yeah. watch it, Pat McAfee was on yesterday breaking down a pun of as if it was the most crucial play in the game when Green Bay were about eighteen points up. Yeah, it Pat was, McAfee, um, great fun. He's a wrestling commentator now. So he's uh, yeah, he's a good bloke. But yeah, that is that is absolutely well worth a watch. Um, all right, good stuff. So, yeah, that's the week two review show all done. We'll be back on uh, Thursday or Friday for the week three preview show. Cool, week three already. Um, it'll be me and you again, Liam, as the others are taking holidays and sabbaticals, but we never rest. No, and it, you know, if there's any NFL players out there that want to come on as guests, you know, Pat McAfee calling him out. Yeah, sure yeah, he yeah. Listens to this. He'll definitely be. Um, yeah, all the big, all the big, all the big players listen to this um, and often tweet in. And if you do want to tweet in, it's at Fourth and Out Pod on Twitter and um, got a Facebook page as well. Email address is Fourth and Out Pod at gmail But yeah, Liam, thank you for joining me again, mate. Enjoyed that. Thank you very much. Enjoyed it. Thank you, and thank you all for listening. And see you soon. <laughs>